This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Laura Simmons, a paediatric occupational therapist and founder of Theratrack.co. It's an app that allows therapists to prescribe, monitor, and track customized therapy programs for children. Laura shares with us her journey and transition from being a full-time therapist into becoming a startup founder, and what type of therapy challenges and problems she observed that led to creating Theratrack. Theratrack helps capture, create, and digitize programs that the client and parents take home with them via a secure mobile app. This has led to improved client engagement and simplified the process and administration time needed by therapists who can now manage, deliver, monitor, and track progress with their clients from a distance. As Laura reveals, it helps make time for lunch during the day. Clients now can engage with programs and their therapists remotely and from the comfort of their home undertake the prescribed programs. You'll get a lot out of this episode as we talk through streamlining occupational and other allied health therapies and how to design digital health programs as your own therapy at scale. We also explore what the world might look like in five to 10 years time when digital health and in particular Theratrack continues to do things like supporting digital health program innovation, facilitating multidisciplinary team collaborations, and we take a really inspiring view on what working in healthcare might look like because of that. Let's jump in. Oh, hey, Laura, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Yanni? I'm excellent, thank you, all things considered. But thanks for uh, coming along and sharing some of your journey. Why don't we get straight into it and tell us a little bit about, I guess, life before the startup, the occupational therapist in you. Tell us more about your background. I'm from Sydney. I'm an occupational therapist. I've worked in uh, paediatrics in Sydney for about eight years now. I love being an occupational therapist. I think one of the coolest things about being a paediatric OT is being able to help kids reach their goals and you see these awesome achievements. And even with parents, like helping kids become independent, like OT, I think from a healthcare perspective, I mean, I'm biased because I am one, but it's a really cool profession where you can see some really measurable gains in the community. And so, yeah, so I I became an OT eight years ago. I've worked in Sydney Travelled a little bit to the US to see what the US climate's like, but then came back here because I just thought the Australian healthcare system was way, way much better. Really? Um, I mean... A couple of key differences that you observed? I think the difference between... When I I was over there, it was more the difference between the behavioural approach and sort of the play-based approach with therapy and and paediatrics and things like that. And I quite like the play-based approach when it comes to therapy, I think, following someone's lead and... And learning from them and learning what their intrinsic motivations are, I find that, for me, fits better as a, as a therapist. And also, I think, I mean, in Australia, I mean, the model of healthcare here with the NDIS, the access to Medicare, the access to public health, so many more kids get access to healthcare here than I guess they do in the US. It's a lot trickier to jump through those hurdles. So I think, I don't know, maybe I can make a bigger impact and the weather's a little bit nicer here too sometimes. <laughs> I definitely agree. The The NDIA uh, is a, just an amazing uh, idea and the just the conceptual framework, the thought that's gone into it. 
it really sort of brings yeah. us into that whole client-centered care model. It really opens yeah. up uh, that opportunity of building a healthcare system around the participant or around the person who's receiving the healthcare services. And I think that's really digital health aligned. You know, it's kind of where the yeah. future's going. I think we'll, we'll come back to that. I think about what possesses you then to move from the therapist in you to become the startup founder uh, that you are now. Tell us about that transition. What led to it? Oh, that's such a funny story. If you talk to my family, I was always bound to be a founder of some sort. I was going to run a clinic. I was going to be the, be my own boss at some point. I, my mum always tells me I'm never very good at being told what to do. So <laughs> it was always me going to be the person that was going to be telling other people what yeah, to do. Um, I can relate to that. But I mean, I think, I think that's a startup founder trait, right? Oh, yeah. We like being in control and finding our own problems and solving our own problems. Yeah. But yeah, Theratrack never started as a digital platform, actually. The idea started, as, as my background is, I'm also a feeding therapist. And weirdly enough, originally, I was, I was going to be a chef before I was an OT. And then I became an OT and I was like, oh, I can combine food and therapy. And so I thought, oh, I'll write a cookbook you know, I'll write a cookbook for fussy eaters. That would be really amazing. And that will impact lots of people and, and help lots of people. And then I've got a family that are all in the tech world as well. And, and I was sitting down with dad one night and he said, a book's not going to really impact a lot of people. Like you're going to sell it in some places, but it's really not going to help a lot of people. And so I went, okay, maybe I'll write a blog. Being Dad being the tech person, he was like, how are you going to make money out of a blog? How are you going to make money out of a community that's not going to sustain you? That's just going to create lots of work. And then one thing after another, you know, sitting down with clients over many years and, and I remember sitting in this session with a client and I'd sat down in this session and about 20 minutes of the session I'd spent inputting all these reminders into this mum's phone. Just before that she said to me, oh, we've spent so much money on therapy and we're just not seeing any gains and nothing's happening. And I was like, you know, what's going on here? And lo and behold, there was no practice happening at home. So I sat down with her and I put all these reminders in her phone, but it took me a good 50% of the session. I'm going, this isn't sustainable. And then being the problem solver that I am, I went online and I, I think I spent weeks and months looking for things that would fit pediatric therapy. Nothing's there. There's there's apps that you can hack around. There's And I was like, no, that's not right. I'm not going to hack around digital health products to do this. And then Serendipitously, I found She Starts, which is uh, an accelerator program in Sydney for um, women who have deep industry knowledge, who want to solve a big global problem, but don't have a tech background, which is me to a T, really. So you found a good fit and with, um, I guess, seeing s gaps in the market. There's there's nothing really that's fit for purpose. And then you yeah. found the environment with She Starts that could actually support you and, and kind of bring that out in you. Yeah, and, and I think for me that worked perfectly, right? It was a six-month program where they supported us to build the first version of the prototype so we could get something in people's hands. They helped us raise a little bit of capital, like all those sorts of things that just kind of threw me into startup world, which I, I sort of not intended on being an actual tech founder. I was thinking I was going to be a clinic owner founder. Three years later, here we are. I have a product that's in market and it's being used across Australia and the US and insane, really. It's fantastic. We'll, we'll get into TheraTrack in a moment. I, I just want to touch on that kind of transition, that journey from you, you didn't think you'd be a tech founder. And yet, you know, the idea of writing the book, the way I'm, I, I relate to what you're saying is the idea of writing the book is you, you, you kind of wanted to put some rails down. You wanted to actually kind of be able to show how to do something and how to actually help people do it. 
And I suppose what I hear from your dad's advice was that technology or software in particular can actually be an alternative to a book because rather than expect somebody to read it and then do something with what they what they read in the book, it's actually uh, in their world all day, every day, and it creates the the real-time guide on how to do things. Yeah. Do, do you relate to that? Do you get sort of get that um, connection that I'm getting with that, the difference between the yeah. book versus software? And totally, and I think the cool thing with software too, right, is so you have a book, you write it, and it's out there in the world. The cool thing with software is you start building it, and then in healthcare, you open a can of worms and you keep building and you keep adding and you, and you can iterate and change and, and you can move with the market as to, to what people need versus if you just have a book, it's kind of like, okay, I've printed it. Maybe I'll make a second edition or a third edition. It's kind of a stationary thing, whereas technology can move and ebb and flow with, with yeah. what people need, which I think is really cool. It's definitely, it's definitely a lot more dynamic and iterative. It's responsive to the world around it rather than a snapshot in time. And I suppose that's why books get, you know, part two and, you know, the update and all the rest of it. But with software, it's a little bit more, not quite real time, but pretty close to it. So Theratrack, what was the big problem that you saw or perhaps a, a number of problems that you're identifying that you thought Theratrack could really respond to? Yeah, and I, and it's like that. There are a number of problems. Like it's, and I sort of I started off the whole journey going. I need my clients or my participants to do therapy at home. That was kind of the the core problem. But when you start sort of digging a bit deeper and talking to people, there's this problem, and then there's this problem, and then there's this problem. So the the original problem was trying to get participants to do their home program so that they could become more independent. Because as therapists, we know that. If you practice, I mean, you know, this is always my mum, if you practice, you get better. You know, it's the same with therapy, right? If you if you do your exercises or if you if you do the things that your therapist has recommended or that you've worked with to build up to your goals, I guess one of the nuances of being a therapist and working in industry is you know how much paperwork there is to do and it's just increasing. It gets a bit scary sometimes with the NGIA reports, with needing to know how much progress a kid's done, needing to know to write all your medical notes, needing to write the letters. There's so much stuff that goes on in, in the background outside of a therapy session that time is really precious for therapists. So if I can do something quicker or do something more efficiently or do something with Theratrack anyway, we write our home programs concurrently with a therapy session. So by the time the therapist is left, that small amount of paperwork is done and they don't have to go off and do it somewhere else. So you're saving a therapist five or ten minutes, which when I talk to therapists, they're like, oh, I can have lunch. Time time and compliance are probably the two big things that we're yeah. working on. Any other key problems that, are, from a therapist's point of view that are being experienced that Theratrack uh, responds to? Yeah, so that's one of the things that we're working towards is figuring out where those incentives lie and where what's motivating to people. Is it is it motivating to see how well you do in a therapy session and then your outcomes or do you need external motivators? Everyone works a little bit differently. At the moment, we're still in that sort of early stages of figuring out what those motivators are. My key, I guess, personal interest as a therapist is I want it to be intrinsic. So I want uh, the participants at the end of the day to go, yes, I want to log into Theratrack because I want to see how well I've done rather than creating external, I guess, reward systems that then people rely on going, well, I'm only going to do my therapy because I get these points or this something or whatever. But that's a hard one for people because behavior change is really, really hard, especially when you're working on something that I mean, you don't go to therapy to do the easy things. You go to therapy because you're doing the tricky things, right? You're, you're, if you're 
a child who's on the autism spectrum, you're trying to learn to make and keep friends, which is really hard because, you know, I suffer with communication problems or social problems. You know, those sorts of things are tricky. So that's something we're working on is in terms of like, what is that? What is that key motivator? I think with paediatrics, though, one of the benefits of working in paediatrics is you have parents that are highly motivated because they want to see their kids succeed. So that's always a big draw card for us. And I guess, yeah, that's probably the other part. So you sort of you're looking at it from the uh, therapist's point of view. There's some goals there and aspirations in terms of what you as a therapist would like to help achieve as far as the participant is concerned. What's the experience like for the participant? And what are they getting with Therotrack? Yeah, so at the moment, what they get with Therotrack, and like I said, tech's an ever-evolving platform. So we started off, I guess, with Therotrack as a single discipline. So it was just an occupational therapy app that was helping participants who are accessing OT to view their home programs, so be able to see personalised content from a therapy session. So we get our therapists to take photos and videos within therapy sessions of the kids doing the activities because as a therapist, I believe it's not about, again, I said this, it's not about being perfect, it's about being the best of yourself. So being a therapist and and I guess using Therotech in a session, what you'll do is you'll use our activity database, take a photo and a video of a kid doing a therapy activity, so say like a bear crawl or say a breathing activity or whatever it might be, and then you send that home with some personal prescriptive advice for the parents. So it might be, how long do I want you to do the task for? How often do I want you to do the task for? And any of those really specific strategies for that child is like positioning or when you want them to do it, that sort of thing. What we're actually working on at the moment is a, a more increased, different, I guess, a more improved version of the feedback loop that we're going to try and work on. So not just frequency and duration, but maybe repetitions, maybe it's just a strategy. Maybe I want you to do this at eight o'clock every morning, or maybe I want you to do this four o'clock every afternoon. So figuring out what what are those motivators is and how do we build those, those like you said, habits to help people, I guess, at the end of the day, become as independent as possible so they don't need therapy anymore. That's the goal. Uh, is there a track prescribing a methodology here where the therapist is in a session, is going through and starting to either choose from the database of the activities that are being recommended and prescribed to the to the participant and kind of designing that particular program, but also being able to customise some of the um, programs? You used a term before about your database. I, I didn't quite pick up on it, but is that media? Is that videos? Is it sort of imagery? What What is that database? Yeah, so the database at the moment, it's an activity database, which is all text-based. So we have about 200 preloaded paediatric occupational therapy activities on the database. And those are what we call recipe cards. So what you need, what it works on and how to do the task. And the idea is that the therapist will add rich media. So they'll add a photo, they'll add a video, they might add a PDF of that task so that they can prescribe to their client. And I guess one of the other cool things that we can do with Therotrack, every clinic or every organisation that uses Therotrack can customise their organisation's platform for themselves. So they can add on their own custom activity cards, they can add in their own personal media, they can add in their own personal videos so that when their participants get their information, it's coming directly from them. So it's almost almost like a white-labeled product without all those extra bells and whistles. But it means that, you know, we have a we have a therapist on our platform that's a craniosacral therapist. And for her, you know, her therapies are really bespoke and really individualized. And for her, a platform like this where she can come on, 
build up a library and use all of her content and then prescribe it to her participants, then that makes it amazing for her because it's something that she can create that's custom, but it's just for her. So she's creating this really rich library over time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I think that's key. So in a sense, from a technical standpoint, you've sort of got enough content there that somebody could actually assemble it using the the elements that are in Theratrack, but certainly cater for adding those unique or customized elements that determined by actually working with a participant and actually figuring out what's going to be, you know, the best fit for them and also most likely to help support the uh, the motivation that's needed to actually work through it. Is that that sort of a a fair summary? Yeah, and it's funny, so so yesterday I actually jumped on our platform. So I say we have 200 preloaded pediatric activities. I looked at the the final count yesterday. I think we're almost up to 1,300. So there's there's over 1,000 that people have added themselves, created themselves, and that's that's what we want to build is these libraries because therapists have these amazing libraries of content that they've created over the years but no way to digitally prescribe them to their participants. They just have to print out the handouts or store them in a Google Drive or, yep. I mean, store them in a storage cupboard that they pay $500 a week for. I've heard I've heard every story. It's crazy. Well, it's, it's super smart because I guess over time what will happen is that uh, repository will keep growing. It'll be categorising ways that the subscribers, the therapists, will be able to actually save even more time in, in needing to actually put things together themselves. Is that sort of a plus yeah. that's emerging? Oh, yeah. And I mean, my fingers and toes are crossed that the community over time will figure out how we can actually share all this data. Because what I think one of the kind of the, the side note things of Theratrack that it can become is a training tool. And it can become a, a library where, you know, a therapist here in Australia can support a therapist in India or a therapist in the US who might be a really key predominant occupational therapist or physio can support another therapist here in Australia and, and create this online training tool. So that's my, maybe if, if it'll work in the future. So if I put all these positive things out into the universe, hopefully someone will come back and say, yes, this is possible. It's, it's always good to have that kind of vision because you kind of inadvertently are, are leading towards it. But what tends to happen is you kind of move with your community of uh, users over time. And I call it tech evolution at human speed, because from a technology standpoint, we can build anything that you'd probably imagine um, to the extent that it's possible today. But whether anybody actually needs it, values it, requires it is a different story altogether. And sometimes a lot of customers don't really know today that they do need it. And so there's no point trying to give them something that they're not even aware that they need right now. The, the human speed reference for me is always just as... We'll get there and we'll slow down. We just need everybody to sort of uh, tell us when they're ready. So there's the, there's the management aspect. So the therapist is able to work with the participant. They're able to go through a process of uh, compiling a program that can be done at home. Is that an enhancement to the way that therapy was being done before Theratrack or are you kind of innovating the therapy model uh, with Theratrack? It's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, I think. The way, the way that we've always done things in the past as therapists is scribbled amazing stick figure drawings on a piece of paper for you and said, okay, I want you to do it in this direction or I want you to do it at this time and then and then the piece of paper gets stuck on the fridge and, and forgotten about or stuck down the back of the car and gets forgotten about or the email gets lost in your inbox somewhere. So we've always, I guess as therapists, we've always communicated that things need to be done at home or in the community somehow. What we guess we're changing with Theratrack is putting that in people's pockets because it's on an app. Our phones are with us Hopefully not 24-7, but our phones are with us for most of the day, right? 
and especially with parents, that's where they organise all of their days. That's where they organise all their school pickups. That's where they get all the communication from teachers. So by putting all of this information in that same place for a parent, it makes it a lot easier, I guess, and I hope in the long run for them to be able to do all the things that we want them to do at home. And then hopefully for that, for their kid to to reach their goals just that little bit faster and and not need to go to therapy and not need to be stuck in therapy for a long time. Like that would be amazing, right? Is that the word track? Is that the tracking part of it? Yeah, the whole idea with TheraTrack is to be able to track progress outside of therapy and, and being able to see how many gains you've made to then be able to go, oh my gosh, I've done so much better. I don't think gamification is off, off the cards. I think there's there's lots of ways that we can gamify TheraTrack in the future. I mean, that's how kids learn, right? Kids learn through play and and using that as a motivator is 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 not a bad thing, right? It's it's a way to to help them feel intrinsically motivated to participate in the activity. It's definitely I think the gamification side when it comes to behavior change and when it becomes comes to helping humans do things that are tricky and that, that aren't their preferred thing, feeling that that sense of achievement or that sense of reward from whatever you've done. It's definitely on the cards somehow. I haven't ruled that out, but I haven't figured out exactly what it is because like I said, I don't want it to become that, oh, I did my therapy, so I got my five coins or whatever because, you know, you should be doing therapy because it makes you feel good or whatever. So it's kind of, it's a, yeah, it's a tricky one to 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 do. But I guess one of the cool things with TheraTrack as well is that we're co-designed. We've been co-designed since the start. So I have a group of therapists that I've worked with and their clients that I've worked with from the start when TheraTrack was first conceptualized, that where we've been talking and figuring out and co-designing the platform. So they're the ones that help us figure out what are the features that we need next and how do we build maybe, is it the gamification? How do we build the intrinsic rewards? How do we build that into the platform? So it's not just obviously my brain dump into one app because that would be crazy. <laughs> well, you are an occupational therapist, so I think you're, uh, you've are you got an advantage there of uh, perhaps somebody like myself who uh, I learned many years ago that it didn't really matter what I thought. Um, what, what matters is what my customers think. And so that co-design, uh, co-create model is perfect. I love it. I think it's the right way to go with any type of innovation in the digital health space. Uh, you definitely got to have your customer uh, in the room designing with you. I refer to that as the uh, the why and the what, and then the technical side is figuring out how, what we're doing and why we're doing it, and then the rest gets easier from that point onwards. Have you kind of found that experience as well, you know, in managing a development team now and a process? Yeah, I think I think the why is so important, yeah. especially in digital health, because, you know, the why we're doing this is ultimately in the end of the day is to help people get better, you know, and how we get there is is it doesn't not that it doesn't matter but it does matter but no if you know why you're doing it and who you're doing it for and who those customers are I think that's significantly important because obviously you know talking to someone who's a parent with you know two kids with a disability versus talking to someone who's an adult who's going through through a physiotherapy program to to help rehab their knee is a very different customer and very different needs as to what sort of language you use, how you motivate that person, how you communicate with that person and why you're doing certain things, why you build in different workflows for for paediatric therapists versus someone who might work in a physio clinic. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a paediatric session, but they can get quite crazy is probably the best word. (laughs) You know, if you've got brother and sister in a room tearing the room apart and the therapist is trying to give information to a parent and they're all they're trying to do is stop the two kids from climbing up a slide it can get chaotic (laughs) yeah it it 
yeah, I remember taking my um, UX designer when we very first started into a therapy session. It was probably the funniest look I've ever seen on anyone's face as he walked out and went, whoa, your job is crazy. <laughs> and it can be. I mean, it can be super fun. Don't get me wrong. But knowing that who you're building for, you know, a therapist that's time poor, that's trying to manage and juggle everything and a parent who's just trying to get through the day and get all the things that they need to do done so they can feel like a, a good parent is very different to an adult who's in knee rehabilitation program, who's not going to sit there and tear your room apart, hopefully, is going to sit there and listen for 40 minutes. It's it's a very different, yeah, different customer, that's for sure. How are you finding the uh, parents and children? How are they responding to, to TheraTrack? They're really excited. That's the best way I can think about it. They generally get really excited that something is going to be easier for them, that it's going to be in their pocket, that it's going to Uh, make it easier for them to communicate with their therapist and sort of aligns better with how they do things. I know that sounds a bit funny, but rather than having that paper prescription that sits on my fridge that I forget about, it's in my pocket. And it means that, you know, if we go to grandma's house, I've still got my phone in my pocket. Or if I go to dad's house, I've still got the phone in my pocket. I can still log in from wherever I need to be. And I think that's really important for parents is to to feel confident with what they're doing. So as soon as that happens, they they get super excited. That's helped us sort of motivate, obviously, therapists to switch to the digital and and learn that digital is not that scary and it, and it can actually help them with their workflow. Well, it's great to hear it. And I think that's how I relate to TheraTrack. I think you've built a digital health therapeutic framework that allows the practitioner to be able to design the therapy that is most aligned with the needs of that um, individual. That's a pretty special achievement because most of the digital therapeutics that are evolving are actually quite specific and structured. But to actually have achieved a model that the therapist can actually project onto it, the uh, therapy that is precisely needed for this particular participant is very understated in your marketing. I should consider speaking more about that because I think that's really the fine art of digital health therapy going forward. I think it's a real credit to you, Lauren. And if anybody did want to, how would they, what, what's your preferred way of getting in touch with you? Is it just through the platform uh, or? Super easy. You can connect with us through our website. So www.theratrack with a K, no C-K, dot co, or either way they can, they can always email me. I'm laura at theratrack.co. Super easy. Or Facebook or Instagram. I'm always on those platforms as well. Or even LinkedIn. That's another one. Name the social. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll put, we'll put some of those links in the show notes for the podcast. Looking forward, uh, just getting back to kind of where we started, the vision, but five to 10 years, um, what's, what's the world going to look like if uh, Therotrack has its way? Therotrack has its way, that'd be crazy. That'd be awesome, be amazing. <laughs> I think from, from my side, I think you're going to have two things. One, you're going to have parents that feel empowered to know what they need to do at home and, and feel like they can be more independent with their therapy strategies and things like that. Hopefully we can we can prove some outcomes and do some clinical studies and actually prove that something like Theratrack can improve those outcomes. We did some research at the start of the year and we found that all of our users said it improved their engagement, but I really want to see it improve outcomes. And I think as well, connecting those care teams that might not work together. I mean, telehealth has become such a big thing now during COVID. It's always been a big thing, but helping people... I guess, use telehealth and use all these remote therapy solutions so that, you know, the therapist can become almost 
almost like a coach, right? It's, we're there to support, we're there to drive you, we're there to help you get to your goals. But at the end of the day, the participant is the one that's following through with the recommendations, that's, that's implementing the recommendations at home. And hopefully at the end of the day, you've got these kids that have awesome independent lives. I mean, as an occupational therapist, we want to see them grow up, finish school, get a job, become independent humans. And I think if TheraChat can help that early intervention model tick over a little bit more or get kids more access to therapy who might not get access to therapy normally, you know, the the, uh, the other side of that is you have, you know, an adult workforce that's amazing, that contributes, that's inclusive, that's we have all these kids that might not have had an opportunity to be that inclus- included and independent participant later on in life that can go out and do all those amazing things that, you know, as someone who doesn't have a disability is is privileged enough to be able to do. I think there's so much value and benefit that could be unlocked with that mindset because it's very hard building a big business, uh, you know, to try and create all the disciplines under one roof uh, and employ it and organise it and take the risk, whether it's some financial risk, whether it's the building the systems and, the, and uh, the quality frameworks that are needed, it takes a long time to actually build those types of businesses, whereas individual therapists can be more aligned with their own lifestyle choices and, and live and work from different locations. You know, we're hearing a lot about the digital nomad at the moment. And, you know, to date, it's kind of been an idea where a really cool graphic designer can backpack around the world and still earn money, you know, by jumping on a computer and designing a few logos for people and kind of pay their way. That's kind of one rendition of, I guess, the digital nomad. But I wonder whether um, that kind of works for healthcare over time where we no longer need to necessarily live and work in the city in order to be healthcare providers. What are your thoughts? That would be amazing. I think, I mean, and look, I think the digital nomad thing, I think with healthcare, one of the cool things, if you become a digital nomad or a, a healthcare nomad, let's call them those, the people that you could help and I mean, I guess that's why we get into being in healthcare, right? We get into being health, health professionals because we want to help people. There's an ability for you to jump borders or jump boundaries or jump countries because of because of digital health that can then help someone who doesn't have necessarily the access to your speciality as a healthcare practitioner. That's awesome. I'm a big dreamer. <laughs> I likewise. So am I. So am I. I mean, it was sort of inspired uh, during my uh, uni days. It feels like a long time ago now. You know, early days for internet, I was kind of thinking, imagine if you could just live anywhere on the planet and you could still, you know, kind of find a way to have a professional income source and kind of, you know, fund the essentials. So having telehealth and having digital health kind of concepts to be able to access. So if that person uh, requires paediatric support, for example, uh, occupational therapy, uh, and let's say they live uh, an hour and a half out of the city, you know, access solved, right? Because there's internet there. So that's really easy. And it starts to propagate this kind of opportunity for the community to live anywhere they like and, um, and be more distributed, but still not forego the essentials and the things that are really important to maintaining their health going forward. And I think that's that's a massive opportunity for uh, for the allied health community, mental, physical, nutritional health and wellness. It's to actually kind of uh, recontextualise uh, the relationship with, with clients uh, by building mm-hmm. in digital health thinking and actually designing for an evolving world. I mean, for sure, now there's a lot of people living in cities, but who knows, maybe uh, a side effect of the lockdowns would be that people want to leave the city. But I think for sure what's happening is that the population's growing and we're getting more distributed. And I think, you know, healthcare yeah. is easier to distribute now by using digital health thinking. That's a great vision, Laura. Uh, it certainly appeals to me. 
just wanted to thank you for, for sharing your journey uh, from uh, an OT into a startup founder into now a three-plus-year veteran of the um, growth of your company and just launching into the US, you were saying a little bit earlier as well, so uh, there's a new market opening up for you. Yeah, yeah, we got our, our HIPAA certification earlier in the year, which was, you know, a whole lot of fun paperwork. But yeah, we're, we're in the move to push over to the US and, and see what it's like over there. I've started some early conversations with some therapists over, over on both the East Coast and the West Coast. But yeah, their model of healthcare is a lot different to ours. So it'll be a really interesting journey to see how we fit in with their system. Side note, I found out that, you know, in, in the US, is you can get therapy in school for free, but which is very different to here. Here in obviously New South Wales, therapists aren't really in schools, which is which is a very different model. So I think the next twelve months is going to be a big learning journey. But I'm excited, even if I can't fly there specifically. You know, digital health and and systems like this mean that we can connect, and it's a bit easier. So yeah, I'm excited. Well, all all the best of luck for that. Thanks so I much. think you'll do great. And thanks for uh, coming on, Laura. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It's been it's been so much fun. I always love having chats with you, Yanni. Ah, oh, it's my pleasure. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks, Laura. Awesome. See ya. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.